Happy Easter, Higher Vision. If you're a guest, my name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so glad you're here to worship Easter with us. Uh, worship and celebrate this day. I want to welcome all of our online campus, people around the country, around the world. We also have our Santa Paula campus right now that's meeting, and good things are happening. Can we welcome our online campus, all of those that are joining us? Yeah. I was on a little bit of a break. It's good to be home and be back and be here with all of our family. And we have so many amazing pastors and leaders, Pastor Wayman and others, Pastor James and our whole team. They all did a great job. You know, I want you to turn in your Bibles. We're going to jump right into it today to Matthew 26, verse 31. As you're going there, I like to start with something funny. So I heard the story about um, this man who was sitting in a very dimly lit restaurant. He looks over and there's a woman at the table next to him and he leans over and says, ma'am, would you like to hear a blonde joke? Well, she looks at him and says, um, sir, um, before you tell me that joke, maybe you need to know something. I'm a blonde, I'm 6'2", and I'm a bodybuilder. And the lady sitting here next to me, she's 6'3", she's a blonde, and she is a wrestler. And my other friend sitting here at the table is 6'5", she's blonde, and she is the kickboxing champion of the world. Are you sure you want to tell us that joke? He thinks about it for a minute and he says, No, not really. Not if I'm going to have to explain it three times. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> okay, so, so, so if you're a blonde, I want you to know today, we love you. And if you're a brunette, we love you. If you're redheaded, we love you. And even if you're follically challenged, we love you and are glad to celebrate Easter with you, all right? Is that all right? You know, let's do this today. Would you stand to your feet? I'm so excited today for what God wants to say to us. This is the 15th of 16 ministry events that have happened since Wednesday of this week. It's amazing. Thousands of people have come. Hundreds of people have been saved. I want us to read this passage together out loud. Those of you joining us online, why don't you do the same? Matthew 26, 31 says, read it with me. On the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Close your eyes. Will you take a moment right now and just connect with God? Connect with Him. Holy Spirit, we just make room and say, fill this place, every heart, every home, every family, every seat. We acknowledge we need you. I pray that your anointing would rest on every word spoken and that people would leave not saying, that was a funny joke. They would leave saying, I think God was talking to me. Put your hand on your heart and say, Holy Spirit, Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, when I was young, I liked to watch TV. And, um, you know, back in the day when I watched TV, we didn't have DVRs where we could fast forward the commercials. How many are thankful for DVRs, right? And so I remember watching this show that I really liked. It was a really good show. And, you know, every show has the conflict and then it's resolved, right? And so I'm watching the program and it's getting to the end, the hour that's going to be up. And as we're getting to the end, there's no conflict. And I'm going, I mean, there's no resolve. And I'm like, what's going to happen? Are we going to, is everybody going to live? Are we going to all die? Is the villain going to win? And, you know, I'm all wondering what's going to happen because the end is coming. And then we get to the end of the hour. And this is the last show of the season, Right? We get to the end, and these words come on the screen. 
to be continued. Now, when we hear that, sometimes we're disappointed. But here's the point of that, that, those, that phrase. And that is, the story isn't over. There's more to be told. And as I thought about the story of Easter, it's really a to-be-continued story. Because the world needed a Savior, because we're all sinners. Anybody out there not perfect, wave at me. If you didn't wave your hand, you just proved it. <laughs> and so... We know we're not perfect. Jesus came into the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus comes. He dies on a cross on Friday. But aren't you glad the story didn't end on Friday? Because we come on Sunday to celebrate that he came to life. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And we have victory over sin, over death, and life in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for to be continued? Aren't you glad that the story didn't stop? Well, here's what's interesting. When I read this verse, and I know it's an unusual verse to read at Easter, I realized that Easter, even after the resurrection, had it to be continued. Because Jesus told the disciples on his way to the garden when he was going to pray and then go in and be, you know, uh, crucified, he said, listen, when I rise again, the story's not over, meet me in Galilee to be continued. In fact, when the women came to the tomb to, you know, get the body of Christ and put spices and things on it, they walked up and the stone had been rolled away. The angel is sitting there. This is in Matthew 28. He tells the women, he said, hey, you're looking for Jesus. He's not here. You think he's dead, but he's alive. He's risen. Now go tell the disciples to go to Galilee. I will see them there to be continued. So they leave and on their way, they see Jesus, the risen Lord. And when they see him, they run and fall at his feet, and he said, hey, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to the Father yet. Go tell the disciples that I'm alive and to meet me in Galilee to be continued. Now, when I read all of that, and I was reading the story, I'm like, what was going down in Galilee? I mean, think about it. I mean, this is part of the Easter story. It's connected. What's going down in Galilee? I want to know what to be continued is. And so I want to take that story and I want to read the, the, the two parts of it to you today and I want to give you a couple points. Is that all right? So let's dive in. John, John chapter 21, verse 1. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. It's almost like it's like this is what went down, right? Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too. They all said, all these disciples said, we'll go with you. So they went in, out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He calls out, yo, fellas, have you caught any fish, right? No, they replied. They said, throw out your net, he says, on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now, here's what's interesting before we go on. You realize this is just like another story that happened. When Jesus called Peter and the other disciples, the same kind of thing happened. It's not the same story, but it's very similar. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So they haul in the fish. He says, then the disciple, Jesus loves, says to Peter, dude, it's the Lord. He put on his tunic jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. Now, I want to talk to you about this part of the story for a minute. 
And I want to give you, though, before I do, I want to give you point number one. And as I give you point number one, here's what I want to say. The story of Easter, which is that things that have died, broken dreams, broken promises, things that have died, Jesus Christ has the power to bring them back to life. So the story of Easter is, ready, here's point number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. The points are to be continued through our contradictions. To be continued. The story is to continue on even through our contradictions. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, let's talk a little bit about Peter. Peter was a walking contradiction, right? Denied Jesus, walked on water, loved God. You know, I mean, he was a contradiction. In fact, now let me just stop and say, before you judge Peter, let me just say, is it possible that you and I, even though we love God, just like Peter, could have some contradictions in our lives? You know, I just, I just wonder if Peter has a complex because everybody's always judging him. Kind of reminds me of that movie, Nacho Libre. Anybody seen that? You know, it's sort of, Nacho! right? Remember the scene where he's standing next to his uh, wrestling partner and his wrestling partner looks at him and he goes, Nacho, why are you always judging me? <laughs> Remember that? Remember that scene? I almost just feel like Peter has this complex up in heaven because people are always preaching sermons where he jumped on the water and then he failed or he denied the Lord. You just wonder if Peter right now is in heaven. You know, Jesus is sitting there at the right hand of the Father and he's like, why aren't they always judging me? You know, well, I was thinking about contradictions, and I, I found a few online. Let me show you one. This is a, a contradiction. Why is it that when, this is an oxymoron, why is it that when you transport something by car, it's called a shipment, but when you transport something by ship, it's called cargo? Okay, well, here's another one. Why do they put Braille dots on the keypad of a drive-up ATM? You know, there's a game. It's really funny. It's a game called um, uh, Headbands. I put this on and I want to sing, you know, about the happiest place on earth. And um, the way the game works is you get a character card and you put it on your forehead. You don't see what it is and you ask questions, yes or no, so that you can try to figure out who the character is. And if you do it in a certain amount of time, you win a point and, and you win the game or whatever. So I decided we'd play the game today. Is that Okay. So you're going to play the game with me. So I'm going to not look at the card, okay? I didn't look at it. I'm not going to look at the card. Is it right side up? Okay, so I'm going to ask some questions. Um, question number one, am I a male? That feels really awkward. I, <laughs> it was a little awkward. So I'm a girl. So am I a, am I a bad girl? That feels a little awkward saying too. I, I don't know what you're thinking. This is Easter. Come on. Pick it up. So, am I a villain? Okay. Am I heroine? Okay. Wait, wait a minute. I just, wait. I just had a revelation. Do I have gadgets and gizmos aplenty? And who's it's and what's it's galore? 
Wait a minute. Am I a frustrated yet charming princess who just wants to be a part of that world but is always getting messed up by the dictatorial crab who has a Jamaican accent and needs to have a kid? Is that, am I Ariel? Yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you. Some of you are like, how did you know? I cheated. I looked. I cheated. Some of you are like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let me just say this. Imagine playing the game with Simon or with Peter. It might be a little tricky because of his contradiction. Because, you know, he could say, am, am I the guy who's really impulsive and always does stupid things? And at the same time, am I the guy who was the first one to discover and have the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God? Wait a minute, am I the guy who, who denied that I even knew Jesus? Am I the guy who betrayed him in his hour of need? You see, the reality is that so many times we look at others and their contradictions and their trials and their failures and their struggles and, and we judge them, but what we don't realize is that many times we have them ourselves and maybe you're the parent. I'm going to be the good parent. But then at the same time, all the things I didn't want to do that my parents did to me, I find myself doing to my kids. Wait a minute, I, 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 I am, oops, wrong card. I am a Christian. But yet I find myself doing things that don't honor Christ. You might say, Pastor Jared, well, this is really exciting, this message. Thank you very much. I feel good about myself. Always love coming to Easter at Higher Vision. Maybe you can relate to Peter. I believe this story about Peter is going to help us today learn some really cool things. So if you will allow me to unpack some things, I want to go back into the story now and just give you some nuggets of truth. Let's go. John chapter 21, verse 7 begins by saying, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now when you read that, you might just read it and go on and not think about it. But I think, why in the world is Peter going fishing? Because Peter was called by Jesus away from fishing. Jesus said, I want you to be a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish. And could it be that you and I, when we have moments of compromise or moments of contradictions or moments when we fail or moments when we, we experience weakness, our first tendency, rather than moving forward towards our Lord, forward towards his purpose and calling and story for our life, our very first thing that we're inclined to do is to be tempted to run backwards and go back fishing. I think that our failures tempt us to move backwards rather than stepping into the story and purpose that God has for our life. Maybe you're here today and you've been running back to the boat because you're discouraged because of your contradictions or maybe not your contradiction, somebody else's contradiction. Today I believe God has a message for you. You know you keep reading the story and here's what it goes on to say. It says, well we'll come too. So Peter decides to go fishing, and the disciples go, hey, we'll go. Now, you may read that and just move on, but here's what comes into my mind. The first thing is, well, wait a minute. Our contradictions that we think doesn't hurt anybody, 
Well, I'm just, you know, someone hurt me or I saw someone was a hypocrite or I've made a mistake, so I'm just going to pull away. I'm not going to go to church anymore, you know. I don't like to be a hypocrite or, or you know what, someone did something they shouldn't do, so I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm going to just go back to my boat. I'm going to go fishing again. And, and so it's not going to hurt anybody. It's not going to make really a difference. I'm just by myself. It's not going to make really any difference at all. And what we don't realize is that our contradictions influence somebody else. Whether you want to know it or not, you're always leading. You're leading somebody. If you're a parent, if, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, you're leading somebody. And the question is, is are you leading them towards the calling and story that God has for them? Or because you've decided to let a contradiction take you back to the boat, suddenly you have a tribe of people following you the wrong direction. You all with me? Say amen. amen. All right, here's another interesting thought. It says, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. You know what came to me there? It's simply this. When we walk back to our past, when we allow our contradictions to make us run back to the boat, we end up being in a position where we're unfulfilled and unfruitful. He's a fisherman. He's supposed to be able to catch fish, but he's not catching fish anymore. Could it be because you've stepped back? Could it be because you ran away? Could it be because you've gone back to the old patterns? Now, suddenly, there's this hole in your heart. You don't feel fulfilled anymore. Now, suddenly, the things that used to, to be fruitful and used to be successful at aren't successful anymore. You see, part of the story of message is that God is calling us to continue the story, even through our contradictions. I've hit many people who've come to Christ and they lived a wild life and partied and all this stuff. And then I've seen them have moments where they've failed or others have failed and they say, well, I'm going back to the boat. And then you hear them say things like this. Man, partying just isn't quite as fun as it used to be. Let's keep reading some really cool truths here. It caught nothing all night. And then it says, at dawn, Jesus was standing at the beach. Now, when I read that, I had something jump into my heart. It's really interesting. Why didn't Jesus jump on the water and walk out to the boat and say, hey, guys, come on, throw your net over there. Let's get some fish. Why did he stay at a distance? And then it kind of came to me. I, I think this is what the, the Scripture is saying, is that sometimes Jesus gives us space in our contradictions so that we'll wake up and recognize that we need him. Could it be that in your running, could it be that jumping back in the boat, God hasn't just jumped in and stirred the pot because he's waiting for you to recognize, man, I'm not catching fish anymore. Man, man, something isn't right. I'm missing something. I need him. Let's keep reading. There's, there's some more great truth here. It says, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, here's what I find interesting about that. Peter didn't recognize Jesus. Now, this is why I find this interesting, because, sure, Jesus was on the, the, the shore, but he was only 100 yards away. Secondly, Peter is in the middle of a miracle that is the exact same miracle that happened to him when Jesus called him out. And remember, he's waiting for Jesus to come. 
How is it that Peter doesn't recognize it's Jesus? I mean, miracles are happening all around. He, hears the, the, he sees the power of God. He sees the power of Jesus, and he hears the voice of Jesus, and yet he doesn't even see him. And how often do you and I, because we allow ourselves to be discouraged, and we allow our failures to lead us backwards to the forwards, we jump back in the boat, go back to old patterns, and now we don't even recognize that there are blessings of God all around us, that his voice is speaking, and we can't even hear him anymore. And I want you to know something today. Jesus is speaking. He is calling to you. He wants to get right in the middle of your mess. He wants to get right in the middle of your contradiction. And he wants to bring his blessing and his promise. That's good preaching. Amen, Pastor Jared. Good Easter message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's here's kind of the big idea for this point. God knows how to deal with your downside. God knows how to deal with your contradiction. People think that they can't achieve or receive the good things from God because of their flip side, because of their failures, because of their contradictions. But what this story says in the beginning is simply this. The story is saying, Jesus is saying, listen, I love you and I am with you when you're on it and I'm with you when you get it wrong. I'm with you when you're walking on the water or I'm with you when you're you're falling just below the surface. My love is greater than your sin. My love is greater than your contradiction. My love is greater than your failure. And I can reach you wherever you are. I am greater than all those things. So don't run to the boat, run to me. Because my story needs to be continued through your contradiction. Let me just say this. If I could tell you a message this morning, here's, here's a big one. Give up fishing. <laughs> and here's why. Don't give up on Jesus because Jesus hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on Jesus because Jesus hasn't given up on you. Let's continue reading the story. Here we go. Go to John chapter 21, verse 9. John chapter 21, verse 9 says this. When they got there, they found some breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. There's probably some crepes. There was probably, you know, some bagels with strawberry cream cheese. Anybody hungry? All right, just kind of wetting your appetite. And then look what it says. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, look what he says. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. There's some great stuff in there I can't get into, but let's keep going. Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said. A third time, repeated the um, time he asked him. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question the third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. Now, when we read this passage, here's what we need to understand. Most of the time when it's preached, and I've preached it this way, this is a story of God restoring and relaunching uh, authority in Peter's life to be the leader, apostle, the man of God that he was called to be. That's what the passage is about. It makes sense. Here's why. Isn't it interesting that Jesus brought him back to a fire? When was the last time Peter was at a fire? It was when he denied Jesus. It's interesting. Sometimes God will take, take you back to your place of brokenness. 
so that he can bring you to a place of healing. Then, while he's at the fire, Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. So often it's preached that, you know, this was a place of restoration. And I agree with that. I preach that. But you know what? The Lord kind of gave me another idea or thought to kind of just thicken this message. Texture it for us. Before I give it to you, though, I want to give you the second point because it will kind of help us as we wrap this up. You see, the story of Easter is not just to continue through our contradictions, but to be continued through brokenness. To be continued through brokenness. You see, what's interesting is Jesus, when he sees Simon, the first thing he says, Peter, he doesn't say, hey, Peter, do you love me? You know what he says? Simon, do you love me? The old guy. Now, I know some of you that are maybe pessimistic, or have you ever met a Debbie Downer? Come on. <laughs> wah, wah. You know what I'm talking You've seen him, right? Well, if you're a Debbie Downer, your first inclination is going to be, see, I knew it. Jesus is up in heaven. He's shaking his finger at Peter. He's, shaking, he's always waiting, shaking his finger at me to say, shame on you, shame on you. Let me just stop and say, Jesus isn't shaking his finger this Easter to say, shame on you. You know what he's doing? He's trying to lift you up and say, shame off you. He doesn't look at Peter to say, ah, see, you're Simon. You're the bad guy. You're the guy with contradictions. Look how horrible you are. I just want to bring up your past and make you feel bad. That's not what he's doing, I don't think. Because what we find is he says, Simon, and then he says, do you love me? Now, here's what you need to know about the word love. The word love in the Greek, there are three main words that are used in the Greek for love. The first one is eros, which is erotic or passionate love. Then there is phileo love, not phileo fish for some of you that are really hungry. Phileo. The word phileo is a brotherly love. I had a friend, when I first got to know him, he kind of tripped me out because he was always going, yo, love you, man. You know, someone you're getting to know and they say, that, hey, dude, it's nice talking to you. Love you, bro. You're, you're, not, you're like, oh, love you too. You know what I'm saying? You just feel a little awkward. That's the kind of love. It's like I love you, a brotherly love, right? And then there's a third kind of love, and this love is called agape. And agape love is unconditional love. It's almost like it's a heavenly the highest level, perfect love. So what's interesting is Jesus says, Simon, hey, the guy that I know that failed me, the guy that I know that's broken, the guy with contradictions, do you agape me? Do you love me with that perfect, unconditional love? And then this is what Peter says. He says, you know that I phileo you. You know that I love you with a brotherly love. In other words, someone says, Peter's saying, Jesus, I know you want me to say I love you, and I do, but, man, you're asking me if I love you on this whole other level, and you got to get it. I'm broken. I've got mistakes. I've failed, so I can only love you to this level. I don't know if I can love you to that level. Jesus asks again, and it's the same way, but the last time, and I've never understood this, but to me it makes sense now. The last time Jesus says, Simon, now remember, each time he says, do you love me, and he says, feed my sheep. He says, Simon, the last time, do you phileo me? He brings it down a notch. He says, Simon, do you love me with that brotherly love? And then Peter says, Lord, you know I love you with that brotherly love. Begin to think about this story and the message. And here's basically what I think Jesus is saying today to you and me. This is what he was saying to Peter. He said, Peter, here's the deal. I know that you're not perfect. Simon, I know that you failed me. Simon, I know that you have contradictions. 
Simon, I know that you're broken, but here's what I want you to know. I love you anyways, and I can use you anyway. In other words, let me say it this way. There was this pastor that hung out with his granddaughter. They were in this um, doctor's office. His granddaughter was on the ground, and she had a crayon, and she was coloring with her crayon. And uh, suddenly, she starts crying. Ah! She starts throwing a fit. She's like, Papa! He's like, honey, what's going on? And he gets down on the ground. And when he gets down on the ground, she goes like this. Papa, I broke my crayons. I can't color anymore. He hugged her. And then he took the crayons. He threw them on the ground. (laughs) And then he suddenly started tearing off the paper around the top, started whittling down into a little point, and then he smiled and he hugged his granddaughter and he said, honey, don't cry. Broken crayons still color. Can you let that sink in for a second? Broken crayons still color. In other words, Simon, even though I know you're not perfect, Simon, even though I know you have contradictions, I want you to know something. I believe in you. Simon, even though you've ran away, but now that you've repented and you've come to me, I believe in you. And Simon, here's what you know. Not only are you forgiven, but you are usable. Not only are you broken, but you need to know broken crayons still color. Maybe you're here today and you've made some mistakes. Maybe you're here today and someone else has some contradictions that have pushed you away from God. Maybe you feel like God can't use you because you went through that divorce. Maybe you feel like God can't use you because you had that bankruptcy. Maybe you feel like that, that you'll never be to where you were. Here's what you need to know. Easter is a story to tell you that God hasn't stopped believing in you. He believes in you and he will use you because broken trans still color. Somebody say amen. Now, if you're new, you're like, wow, he's yelling. He's an angry elf. (laughs) Not an angry elf. I'm passionate. But let me just, I want to say this. I want to give you one last verse, but Too often, I think this is the story, too often we see ourselves as a servant rather than a son. Remember the prodigal son? He had made a mistake and he said, well, maybe if I go back to the father, he'll at least love me enough to let me be a servant, but I'll never be a son because that's for somebody else. And what the devil does is he robs you and I because when he went back, what happened? The dad said, no, 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 you're not a servant, you're a son. And all the authority, all the blessings, everything that I've wanted you to do, you're going to do, because broken crayons still color. The problem is, is that when we buy into the lie of our contradictions and we buy into the lie of our brokenness, we think that that blessing and those promises are for somebody else. But here's what God's saying to you. It's not for somebody else, it's for you, because I believe in you. That's the story. It's the story of Easter. I believe in you. Some of you are here and you don't even know God. You think, I could never be a Christian. Here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, I know you made mistakes, but I believe in you and I want a relationship with you. Let me just share one verse with you as we bring this to an end. It's found in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life. He will give 
life. Give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. Another translation says it this way. It says, the same spirit that raised up Christ in his death and brokenness is the same spirit that's in you. And he wants to give you life. Now, context, talking about a physical resurrection. But the greater message, I think, the word give life in the Greek, here's what it means. It means to revitalize. The synonym is to refresh. God is saying, I want to refresh you. I want you to know that, that I can use you. I want you to quit running to the boat and run to me. Don't let somebody, somebody's mistakes, don't let your mistakes rob you from something I want to give you. I want to bless you. I want to use you. Broken crayons still color, so come to me and let the story continue because I'll raise you to life. I'll refresh you. I'll bless you. I'll use you. That is the story of Esau.